0: 29 years, a really long time, and it's our privilege to have him and his wife Judy, who are parents of two boys and grandparents of six grandsons, um, here today to share with us on self-control. Would you welcome Marshall? I wonder how many of us would have done as well as the kids in asking, answering the question of what's self-control all about? Frederick the Great of Prussia was walking in the edges of Berlin one day. And he met a man coming the other way, a very old man. And he said, who are you? He said, I'm a king. A king of what? Over what kingdom do you rule? He laughed. I rule over myself, said the old man. That's a hard answer to top. You've been thinking about the fruit of the Spirit. When Jesus is Lord of my life, the Holy Spirit comes to live with me and live in me. And the word for Spirit in the New Testament is the word which means breath. When I'm in Christ, the breath of God comes to live in me. And John describes him as the comforter and the helper. And I produce the fruit that gives evidence that his presence is there. And that's what you've been talking about. The evidence that the breath of God is in my life and Jesus is Lord. Love, joy, peace, patience. Those first four are really easy, aren't they? Kindness goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's a fitting final piece. About a week ago I was out mowing the yard, which Judy will tell you has always been my best sermon place over the years. Started in the years when I was in school and Saturday morning is when the sermon started. That's not recommended. And in the summer, it's when you're cutting grass. And I used to put a clipboard on a chair in the yard. And every now and then, stop the mower and over overwrite a while and go and push the mower again. So whenever I mow the grass, I think sermon ideas. And about a week ago, thinking about this morning and this theme, I remembered one of the old songs that we used to sing quite a bit. Would you live for Jesus? And be always pure and good. Would you walk with him. Within the narrow road. Would you have him. Bear your burdens. Carry all your load. Let him have his way with thee. His power can make you what you ought to be. His blood can cleanse your soul. And make you free. His love. Will fill your heart. And you will see was best for him to have his way with thee. And I thought about that partnership that's supposed to be with us if we are in Christ. The partnership between ourselves and the Spirit of God and bearing fruit. We can't do it without him. We cannot live the victory life without the Holy Spirit, the breath of God. And he won't do it to us without us. It's a partnership. You've been reading and thinking about Galatians 5. And that passage ends, since we live by the Spirit, let's keep step with the Spirit. And Peter, over in 1 Peter, the, the, the first chapter, 2 Peter, the first chapter, says, and this is for you and me make every effort to add to your faith you I am to make every effort to add to my faith such things as goodness and godliness and perseverance and kindness and and self-control in increasing measure you and I are the junior partners the Holy Spirit is the senior partner We have to be partners, nonetheless. We have our marching orders, and I think we can understand this one, self-control. What is it? I looked up the word in the Greek New Testament, and it says it means to take into custody, to take into possession often to refrain from and hold back and very honestly there are overtones almost every place it occurs in scripture that relate to our sexuality as God has designed it and directed to be used in a way that Christ is honored and is consistent with the spirit and it means taking into custody our tongues, which James said are a small thing, but they are, what's his word, capable of being a self-consuming flame. And it means taking into, conti- into custody our appetites, our other appetites, like the temptation to eat everything in sight, and try all the novelties in the world around us. And to be proud and self-promoting? It's not easy. Seventh chapter Romans, Paul said, it's not easy. Why do I keep doing a lot of the things that I don't want to do? And why do I not do a lot of the things that I should want to do? What's about this ongoing battle between my flesh and my spirit? we can certainly identify with that and with another comment that I read not too long ago coping with difficult people is always a problem especially if that difficult person happens to be myself who can help me with this Paul asks Christ has and the Holy Spirit will What is it? Putting reins on myself? Self-control? Is putting reins on myself and controlling myself and often holding back? Self-control? How important is it? Paul wrote a little letter to Titus. Titus he had sent to the island of Crete because that was a a deeply troubled church that needed to be resurrected and restored. And he gives some surprising directions. And this is today's text. You must teach what's in accord with sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled, And everything set them an example by doing what is good. He says to the other young man, Titus, did you hear that? You must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. I thought sound doctrine was about things like uh, confession and understanding grace, theological things the central significance of communion and baptism, the names for God, forgiveness, that kind of thing. But when Paul writes to Titus about sound doctrine, he writes one piece of direction to everybody who was in the church. He said, Titus, teach the older men to be self-controlled. Teach the older women to teach the younger women to be self-controlled. Teach the young men to be self-controlled. Get it? There's a universal teaching perspective about sound doctrine. And it's interesting when he talks to younger men It's the only thing he mentions. Apparently, it's a challenge to everybody, but it must be that all of the character issues in a young man's life relate to this one. And if you were to graph a young man's challenges, self-control would be tall on the graph and the others would be shorter. Gangs are made up almost exclusively by young men. And gangs are not self-control. They are group control. Delayed gratification, delayed or denied gratification are huge issues. There's a good deal more, and this is not just about young men. It's about all of us. But young men have the power of a freight train a power for good or for evil, eagerness and strength and drive and energy, will it be channeled to the Lord's business? Or will it knock people down? Or will it loot people's things? Evidently, this is a key point in the life of faith. If I'm in Christ, I don't take orders from my flesh. I take orders from the Holy Spirit of God. And I know when I do that. And most of the time other people can see when I do that. And it's important that I see that and that they see that. Both my knowing and their seeing are crucial. Self-control How shall we go about living it? If it's that important, maybe we should see if we can think about uh, some practical suggestions that will help us in doing our part, our partnership part, with the Holy Spirit to add to our faith things like brotherly kindness and love and self-control. In Peter's words, to keep us from being ineffective and unproductive. Each small thing, I think, is big. Writer Judy Viorst observes that strength is the capacity to break a chocolate bar into four pieces and only eat one piece. The practice of winning small victories will help me get in position to win win large victories. James the writer and half-brother of Jesus talks about how devastating that little thing called the tongue can be and so he has a clue for how I can handle the smaller things to get me ready for those times when I need to grab hold of that little tongue in a big way so he says be quick to listen Slow to speak, slow to be angry, good advice, tongue training. Consultant Gladys Edmonds suggests, picture your thoughts as people passing by the front of your home. Just because they're walking by doesn't mean you have to invite them in thought managing. A little thing, manage your thoughts, and you're on way to the bigger managements. Like Joseph in the Old Testament did. Run quickly from the arms of temptation. Quickly! Don't stand and think about it. Run! And remember that Jesus told the Good Samaritan parable to make a point that my neighbor whom I'm to love if I belong to Christ is someone who needs me. What need can I see? A smaller need or a larger need that I can step in to address? We get the idea. I wonder what piece of godly advice you would add to the list. A small, worthy something that can help us be ready for the bigger things. When it comes to doing our part and praying to God for His help in training and managing our self-control, there's an interesting request from the writer of a proverb that might be something to think about. When I sent the information over, I had the wrong proverb and I read it day before yesterday and I thought, whoa, that's not going to take us any place. Here's the right one. (laughs) Proverbs 30, starting to verse 7. Interesting suggestion that this writer makes in a prayer to God. He said, two things I ask of you, O Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Just uh, one more thought. Self-control. What will be the result of my practicing it? This little bit of self-interest and personal benefit is not at all bad. In Christian Standard, a few years ago, there was an article called Essential for a Satisfying Life. And a writer, Victor Perichin, started out with this. Several years ago psychologist Walter, Walter Mischel conducted what has become a classic social experiment. He left four-year-olds in a room with a bell and a marshmallow. He told them if they rang the bell he would come back and they could eat the marshmallow. If however they chose not to ring the bell but waited for him to return on his own they would receive two marshmallows. In videos of the experiment, some children would squirm, kick, and hide their eyes in desperate attempts to exercise self-control in order to receive two marshmallows. Some broke down and rang the bell within a minute. Others lasted 15 minutes. Tracking these children for several years Mitchell discovered the ones who waited longest, earned higher SAT scores, got into better colleges, and had on average better adult outcomes. On the other hand, the children who rang the bell quickest were more likely to become bullies, receive worse teacher and parental evaluations 10 years later, and were more likely to have drug problems by age 32. If I practice this grace, this spiritual fruit, self-control, there's a very good chance I'll have strength and success. But in part, should I come to my senses and begin practicing self-control a lot later, if I pursue godliness after failures to control, I'll still have the scars, the pain, and the regret left. There will be damaged relationships to try to clean up, and some things will have become irreparable. The practice of self-control will almost always be a very good thing for me. But the far bigger issue is that God deserves it. And it will be pleasing to him. It honors his spirit. It honors his breath in me. It allows me to some proper degree. To say with the Apostle Paul. Follow me. As I follow Christ. Lord we hear you. We are so overwhelmingly grateful for the fact that when we've embraced Jesus Christ as Lord, you breathe into us life. And you breathe into us strength. And we hear the call to express that. The reality that the Holy Spirit is present with us. By learning how to love and rejoice and be peaceful and patient and kind, self-controlled. So we ask for that breath to well up in us and we offer our junior partnership because of Jesus, through whom we pray. Amen. At the end of the service, we express an invitation. The invitation says that before we can start any of these kinds of things, like proper self-control, we have to have the Lord of life, whom you offer to us, Jesus, your Son, God. So we say to you as a congregation, if you've not surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus, Now's the time to make that first step. The Holy Spirit comes as a breath of God. And together we walk. You and I if we're followers of Christ. And the Spirit of God in us. As we sing. This may be the morning that you stand in front of people and say Jesus is the Christ. My Savior. Son of God. King of forever. Let's stand and see.